So, all right. Well, welcome everybody to uh, to video game words. Uh, my name is Don, and this is I my I'm Cody, and my co-host. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, we're we're going to be doing yeah another glorious video game podcast. Um, except our spin that we've kind of been talking about uh, the idea we've been putting back and forth is doing a video game podcast. Not so much about you know, oh I like this game. What game do you like? Um, or, you know, let's just kind of give our thoughts on E3 or whatever the, the current thing is. Uh, what, we're, what we're thinking of doing is picking a current popular topic and discussing it from the, arts, the artistic side and the industry side. So something, something like paid DLC or day one day, uh, DLC. You know, I'll come out... So, arg- so you mean we're going to be talking about unpopular topics? Yes. We'll be talking about unpopular <laughs> topics. Where we come out, you know, I'll argue why uh, why it's not good for video games as an artistic medium, or why it might be anti-consumerist. And, uh, and I'll probably halfway agree with you and halfway explain why it sucks, but needs to be there. Yes. Yeah. For, for reference, I am a video game designer working in Seattle right now. He he works. So I I he he knows I what's up. I actually do work in the, I do work in the industry. I know what makes a game good, sort of. I <laughs> pro- arguably pro- arguably. Uh, I I enjoyed No More Heroes, so that that might be an argument against me knowing what makes a game good. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as much as I enjoy that game too, there's there's things even me like where any Joe Joe somebody can just look at it and be like, what the hell. So anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the idea. We're going to talk about video game. We're going to say words about video games. Yes, we uh, we will present to you video game words. Yeah. All right. So Don, I believe you have a topic to talk about tonight. I have no idea what this topic is. That's right. Uh yeah, that's another thing this isn't, we This isn't a bit. I legitimately don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I don't know I don't know why we thought this would be fun or a good idea, but we're going to roll roll with it and see what happens. Um the other thing we're going to do is we're going to be really mean to each other, and we're going to come up with a topic, maybe each a topic a week, uh, or a podcast, or whatever schedule we follow. Uh, but one of us will come up with a topic, uh, not telling the other person what it is, just so we can kind of put each other on the spot. Why we decided that, I don't know. but <laughs> it, Because we hate preparation, we hate, yeah. and this is slightly easier than that. This is, yeah. Uh, I I actually I, you know I I've worked uh, professionally as a an comedy improv actor. Uh, I actually got paid to go on stage and not know what I was doing. It was great. Uh, I've done it for a while now, so you know that's right up my alley. And you're just a big dork, so it's right up yours too. <laughs> All right. So what are we talking about? Right. Tonight? So um, it's not quite as topical anymore. It was it was kind of news from uh, let's see about a month ago. Uh, that's that's still relevant in video game time, right? Um, yeah, close enough. That's at least that's kind of when it came out into the uh, into the open when we all we all heard about it and where people kind of started formulating their opinions. Um, you know, mm. we've had some time to stew on it. You'll probably recognize it once I mention it. Uh, and this subject that I'm going to bring up first of all tonight is the price of peripherals. So uh, peripherals. peripherals. As as you may know, uh, Nintendo recently announced a uh, a new console. You might have heard of it. Mm. Um, I believe it was called the uh, oh, what was it? The N gauge. Yeah, the the Nintendo <laughs> the Nintendo gauge. Uh, the Switch. Yes, the Nintendo Swap, uh, as it was. <laughs> and uh, one of the kind of 
you know, it's it's. I think the the initial reception of it was pretty good, um, mm. but kind of there was a couple points of contention I I noticed amongst the public that as I'm sure everyone did. Um, one of them being paid online, which you know we could yeah. totally have a three hour podcast about, so we won't get into that this time <laughs> anyway. Uh, but the other one that people were kind of complaining about um, was the cost of the controllers. Uh, I don't know if you if you looked into the price of the the Joy-Con. I I I know the price of the console is uh, three hundred American. I yeah. don't know what the price of the the Joy-Con itself is. Okay, so um, I guess it's first uh, first important to ask you. You at least kind of know the general uh, insides that they talked about with controllers, right? Like you you're familiar with them. Did you did you watch more the... or less? I, I I watched the the big Nintendo thing about it where they revealed all the different games and talked about just general stuff with it. Um, I know it has HD rumble, which means nothing, and I have no goddamn clue how that's going to uh, have any impact on yeah. anything. It's it's kind of weird. Uh, other than HD rumble, I don't really know much more about the innards of the things. I know that they uh, they have uh, was it infrared on them? I believe something I like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, there there is a, a fair bit to that and um, mm-hmm. the HD rumble um, it's, it's a weird thing for them to advertise because I don't think many people have a frame of reference for what it can mean. Like you hear rumble on a controller and you think like, alright, it's it's vibrating in my hands. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you know, yay. I, I guess uh, the the only I, really I, creative thing I ever saw done with that was uh, the first Metal Gear Solid, when <laughs> Naomi oh. tells you, you know, I'm going to give you a shot. Place the controller on your arm, and it's like, well, sure. I guess that's I I, the, I I I didn't expect you to mention that. I thought you were going to mention Psycho Mantis moving your controller with his psychic mind powers. Ooh, you're right. Pretty, yeah. I think Metal Gear Solid 1 is the only game that's really ever done anything with that. Yeah, uh, Controller Rumble is weird. Um, it doesn't have a lot of direct gameplay impact, but it has a lot of indirect gameplay impact. Even though on its own it's not groundbreaking or it doesn't provide for big gameplay opportunities, but... It's good for immersion, and immersion goes a long way in games. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it Basically, the whole reason that Rumble works so well is it's just a light little thing. It doesn't interfere with your control of the game the way that motion sensing kind of does. And even though you can't really do a whole lot with it mechanically, it still is just a nice little thing to have in. It can also it can it, it's pretty much just all feedback. It, you know, shooting a gun in a game feels a lot better when your controller shakes because it makes the gun feel heavier. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I know. Kind of after they announced that too, there I saw I don't remember where, but I saw a post from a number of developers who were, mm-hmm. you know, really talking it up, and they they were all talking about it as if it was the second coming of Christ. <laughs> uh, like the the kind of spin they put on it was like you know you have no idea what how cool this actually is. Uh, Nintendo themselves they had they had the thing of rumbling 
ice in a glass. Which, yeah, sure. I, I, I th this seems like something that I'll have to play with to make a decision on. I think it's probably going to kind of wind up like the 3D on the 3DS. Hey, I like the 3D. That, that's but that's just me. I think it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm one of the four people that still uses the 3D on the 3DS. Right. I, I I like it. It doesn't give me headaches or anything like that. Yeah, I've never. Uh, had I issue. I think the HD rumble probably won't interfere with the. G It'll probably be more widely received, or positively received. Yeah. Uh, well, because kids can use much it more and so than pirates. Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the, the the one uh, the one developer though. I, of course, this is the only stupid one I. I remember mm -hmm. them saying, but uh, what he was kind of hinting at, the type of sensation you'll be able to feel through it, mm -hmm. was akin, at least to the game they were making, would be akin to feeling a boob. Now, you get, <laughs> you get three guesses as to what developer said that, and the first two don't count. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's Ninja Theory, right? Yeah. Uh, it's... No, but you're 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 at least close. <laughs> Who is it? I, I don't remember uh, the huge Sen giant Sen list. Sen Senren Kagura, whatever the developer oh, that is. Oh, Senren so. Kagura developer. I don't yeah. know who the who those developers no, are. No, me neither. But that, All I know is they developed. That's the that. least surprising thing I've right? ever heard in my life. So, I mean, th but it kind of gives an idea, right? Like if if you can make a controller vibrate in a way that tells you, or that makes your mind think you are touching something in particular. That's really yeah. cool. Of course, it is the fact that I, someone's like a boob <laughs> right away. You're like, oh sure. Right. Okay. The the HD Rumble thing. It's it's obviously you know it's a sensation thing, but and I suspect people or developers are talking it up pretty highly for two main reasons. One because it might legitimately be just really cool. Uh. I can't really personally think of any major gameplay stuff it could do, but there's a there's a couple, uh, th th but yeah, like uh, th there there are some things, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a sec. Uh, the other major reason that I can see for developers talking up how great it is is because they want to sell their games that they're <laughs> making for the Switch. And if, if you're if... gonna come out and say, you know, play my game, you can feel boobs, then. Every hopeless right, nerd right. out there is—they're gonna be all over that. <laughs> Not even just the "you can feel boobs" aspect, but the "oh, it's so realistic. It's unlike anything you've ever seen before. You have to try it." Yeah, is you know when, they want to sell their game, and also the, there's a little bit of cynicism in me in that gamers get really excited for things like way more than they should. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and deve de developers are gamers. But, I mean, even then, like, that specific example, it's stupid. And, again, like I said, I don't know why that's the example I remember. Probably because the mm -hmm. other ones, um, I don't th think they gave any really specific examples. Maybe they did. Maybe yeah. I'm just being an idiot. Or maybe I was just kind of so shaking my head at the mm -hmm. Senran one that I, you know, <laughs> I won't ever forget it. Uh, but, I mean, if it if you could, you know, feel the sensation of, like, you you're using a bow and arrow and when you shoot the arrow you feel the feathers between your fingers like yeah. something like that could be really cool um, yeah uh it it sounds pretty much like it'll just be an extension of regular rumble like it'll it'll add more feedback and it'll it'll make the game more immersive uh if it is quite as accurate as 
Nintendo seems to be hyping up. Like, you can feel the the ice jingling in the glass, and you can feel when it melts. The only thing that I could really... or the, the main gameplay reason I could see for it is then you can have some things based around feeling. Yeah. Like, you can... Maybe it'll be able to provide different feedback based on weight. Or you can like jingle some you can jingle a can to try and tell what's in it i guess yeah the the um, one the one that i was thinking uh did you play metroid prime 3 i did not no so there's segments in there because you know it was the wii they were hyping up mm-hmm. the the motion controls and all that so right. there there was a number of like airlocks and things you had to open doors you had to open where you had to reach in grab a handle turn it uh and put like push it back in Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was pretty like it worked well with the movement. Uh, it was stupid because you know, <laughs> yay! I, I mean, I guess, but it, it still felt kind of satisfying. But mm-hmm. I mean, if they if they kind of went in that same same direction, uh, something something like Indiana Jones, you know, where they're, do you remember? Have you seen those movies? Or oh yeah, familiar? he so yeah. He uses the ba- the bag of sand to swap out for the yeah. the idol. Or yeah. I believe it's in the second one when he's with Short Round. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's Short Round. They're they're in a chamber yep. and the roof is coming down, and there's the the girl. She's outside. Oh, she's got it. She yeah, has she to has feel to reach through in the... the hole, and it's full yeah. of bugs. Like something like that. <laughs> in a, if they you know if Resident Evil Seven makes its way on there, and you have to reach into like uh, into a hole and grab something, and you feel things against your hand. That could be really cool. That, that, that could be really cool. I don't know. I, I don't have the confidence in HD Rumble to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, me neither. Uh, but if, maybe if it was like a if it was like a power glove. Yeah. All, all of HD Rumble that would probably be really cool. Um, especially when combined with VR. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe that is maybe HD Rumble is that good. Like who knows? None of us have tried it, and there's no real frame of reference yeah. for it other than the Rumble pack. jingling ice in a glass yeah. of water. <laughs> so that was you know really giant tangent anyway. So yeah. but that's that's kind of one of the big innards in there. And the other things about the Joy Cons that they they really hype up is when you buy one, you essentially get two controllers because. You can take it apart, oh, right, and each person, right. yeah. So you have, you know, two controllers. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, what do you call it? The joystick, the four buttons. There, mm-hmm. there actually are L and R buttons on the inside, which I had no idea. Right. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so, I thought that was pretty neat. I guess they need it because yeah, you're cutting the buttons in half. You're you got to add some kind of amount of buttons to make think, things still function. I think there might be two LNR buttons. There might be like a L1, mm-hmm. R1. If okay. I, because I, I, I swear I saw that on some of the pictures. I might be misremembering that. Um, okay. But yeah, so like that's all there, right? You know, it's infrared. There's the HD rumble. You can take it apart. You essentially get two controllers. Mm-hmm. There, There is a fairly extensive list of features that come with a single Joy-Con. But so, so, so drop drop the drop the bomb here. How how much is the thing? Seventy nine ninety nine. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> uh, does that is that just for a pair of the little paddle things? Does it come with the the dog looking thing to put them together into a single controller? So as far yeah as far as i know and maybe that's just the canadian price i don't know because our dollars mm-hmm. absolute garbage <laughs> um let's see well uh 
this website. Oh, yeah, $79.99 USD. You, you can buy the individual left and or right Joy-Con mm-hmm. controllers for $49.99 US dollars. Okay. Which is, you know, that's kind of what the yeah. standard control controller cost is, which hurts me deep down as a someone who grew <laughs> up with the Super Nintendo and NES. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it does. It does come with the weird little dog face thing, if I recall correctly. Okay. Or maybe not. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking on Walmart.com, and it looks like it's just two paddles I, for eighty bucks. Yeah, I think it does. I think it comes with the straps, but they're only. Yeah, bucks. yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's that, a <laughs> big point of contention, and I mean, it's understandable because you know, well, some people argue f- for it in that you're buying two controllers for 80 mm. bucks. So you're only you're only really paying $40 for them, right? But yeah. at the same time, you I you'll probably need both Joy-Cons for certain games because I can't yeah. imagine I can't imagine um the Breath of the Wild for instance mm. not having a D-pad because if you're using just the Joy-Con, you don't have those extra four buttons of the D-pad that you would get normally. Right. So well, this is this is kind of the the thing. I don't know if this is an outrageous price. I well, I I don't know the most about specific hardware costs. Um, the the what what I assume the bulk of this price is is probably whatever the HD Rumble is, especially if it's as good as everyone says it is. Yeah. Uh, but. There, I I don't agree with the logic of you're getting two controllers. And the the weird thing with this is, this this switch is really really weird. Um, the fact that one controller kind of doubles as two half controllers. So you were saying about you know Breath of the Wild, you probably can't play it with just one of the little paddles, but. It's probably not a game you would want to play multiplayer. I don't know if yeah, Breath of the Wild has any multiplayer features. And th- this actually is a game design thing, is multiplayer with the Switch is going to have to be designed around either will players be using two half controllers or two full controllers? When you make a game for one of the major companies, the the big three of Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, uh, you have to do you have to pass what's called certification. Uh, people generally just called cert. What that means is when your game is done or you think it's done, you send it to Microsoft, Nintendo, or Sony. You pay usually several thousand dollars, and then you wait a month or two, and they will get back to you saying your game is bug free. It matches all of our uh, prerequisites. It's okay. You can you can we, you can release this. It's fine. Uh, or you fail certification, and then you just wasted all that money, and you have to do it all over again. Uh, a lot of the companies have very specific requirements. So, like for example, on PlayStation, if ever you list any of the face buttons, so like. X square triangle circle it has to be using a spe- specific icon or if ever you say like uh, PlayStation 4 it has to be 
typesetted correctly and capital has P, to have like a little S. TM and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, I know that Microsoft requires you to have achievements. I assume Sony requires you to have trophies, etc. Yeah. Uh, so, well, half of it is, you know, making sure that the games that are being released aren't just bug-riddled messes. A large part of it also is uh, that kind of thing, just making sure that it's up to the company's standards. And I'll, I would be very interested to see what the Nintendo Switches or what Nintendo's certification prerequisites are for the Switch, because they could very well say, if you want your game to have multiplayer, it has to, it has to support just using two paddles or four paddles or whatever right, instead yeah. of just two full controllers. It might very well be that Nintendo doesn't care and you can just use two full controllers, but then that kind of runs into a sticky spot of, say you buy, I just would, say Platinum makes some fighting game and you want to buy it because Platinum games rule and everyone should go buy every Platinum game. <laughs> Uh, you go buy the new Platinum game, and it turns out that, you, you know, you call all your friends over, you're all excited to play, or you, you want to sit down with your roommate or boyfriend or girlfriend to play this piece of garbage, and like a, you... you, know, you just, everyone go buy Platinum games, and <laughs> everybody then you go play buy this Platinum piece games. of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> everybody go buy Platinum games, they're garbage, they're great. <laughs> um... The point I'm trying to make here is, you could very well sit down with a multiplayer game thinking that your two paddles are fine, only to find out you need two full controllers. And that's why I'm probably wagering Nintendo will force in their certification that any local multiplayer needs to be done with at least paddles. Or at least have the option, like... Right, needs yeah. to at least have the option of paddles, which, that, that is actually a game design thing that people need to be taking into consideration because that will absolutely affect how games are designed because if you were just using two paddles in, or if you're using one paddle instead of one full controller you have way fewer buttons and way fewer options and that is absolutely going to limit game yeah. design and uh, so really the problem I, I've kind of been rambling a little bit here but the point I'm trying to make is if you were mentioning, like, say you want Breath of the Wild, you're not going to be able to play it with just one paddle. How many multiplayer games are you going to be able, are going to need more than just one paddle? Is yeah. kind of the real question. And it's kind of it's a weird thing to think about too. Like uh, in my household, we have four people. Me, mm -hmm. me, and my one roommate. We're both going to buy a Switch. We we right. pre-ordered and everything because we're giant, you know, we're giant man children, mm -hmm. and we still love Nintendo and everything. Um, yep. But then that's kind of one thing I've been thinking about because we we all play a lot of uh, multiplayer games together. Right now right. we're basically going through the entire Tales of series. Mm -hmm. uh, it you know, and so we, between the two of us, we just kind of so happen to have four controllers on all the systems we've been playing it on, so it's worked out. But then when it comes to the Switch, the fact that you know it's great because we're both getting a Switch, which comes with the two Joy-Con controllers each. So technically, right. we do have the four Joy-Con controllers, which is awesome. But then, what's going to happen if we get to that game that requires for multiplayer, even couch co-op multiplayer, for everyone to have their own 
their own their actual own big yeah. full controller. Yeah. Like that's that's a combined <laughs> total of 160 bucks, half the price of the well, not in Canada, I guess. So. Oh no, yeah, I guess yeah, it'll well. be here to <laughs> half half the price of the console <laughs> for two more controllers. So right. Um, what I'm uh, short answer is I don't know. We kind of just gotta wait for time to tell. I, I'm going to assume Nintendo is going to kind of strictly and or even if they don't strictly enforce that you need that all local multiplayer needs to be accessible via paddles instead of Joy-Con. Um, I think that de- designers and developers are going to lean that way anyways because it would probably. Uh, Paint a poor, paint them in a poor light, if they're like, yeah, we have all this great multiplayer. Oh, but you need to spend 160 bucks on more controllers if you want to play it. Yeah. And d- if nothing else, game companies are not risk takers yeah. in any sense of the word. Yeah. So that probably. I would wager that most local multiplayer games are going to be able to be played on just the little half paddles, just solely for the reason that developers won't want to risk forcing people to go buy an eighty dollar hunk of plastic. Yeah. Well, that's but that's the other thing too. I was considering, and you know, hopefully you'll be able to answer this one. Like, mm. uh, Microsoft and Sony, I know for a fact. Well, maybe not Microsoft, but Sony, I know. Uh, within mm. at least when they originally released the PS4, uh, I know when Xbox 360 was released, they were selling selling the consoles at a loss. Which oh you know, oh yeah uh, uh, that that is not that that is not unique to PlayStation 4 or 360. Yeah, pretty um, much every single console ever is sold at a loss. the The whole point of selling a console is if someone buys a console, now they have to buy games yeah. to put in it. And, and and as you mentioned, there's the whole the process of getting your game checked and everything, and that's, you know, they're going to make right. a buttload of money through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that kind of raises the question of, you know, they're selling the consoles at a loss, right? What about the controllers and stuff? Because right. one, one would assume, you know, you know, someone like me who's not really in the industry but plays plays the hell out of video games, I look, even, mm. even that you know, the Xbox 360 controllers, and I go, like, why the hell is that $60? Like, what, <laughs> what is, is the stuff in that controller justifiably $60? Because, you know, I can buy the pretty much the exact same controller, a Logitech one for my computer, for 30 So, yeah. where the, like, where's this money going to? But then, you know, is, are those, con- I, maybe I, I'm totally wrong, maybe those controllers are also sold at a loss, because if, if Nintendo's selling their console at a loss, then, you know they. I yeah. I I. The short answer is I don't know for certain. I haven't really been involved with this or with, with controller production, and I haven't looked into it a ton. I've looked into it a little bit uh, in the past. I I would probably suspect that it the controllers are not sold at a loss. Um, they they are somewhat worth the price, uh, especially nowadays when there's motion sensing in pretty much all of them. See, that and that's another thing that grinds my like gears. Like touchpad controls. Yeah, but how many of those games use that? Like, that's... And again, that's 
this is me being a bitter old man. Yeah. Like, you know, why the hell should I have to buy a $60 PS4 controller if most games I've played on the PS4 don't even use it? And if they do use the touchpad, yeah. they use it as a yeah. button, so it's basically a start button. And, <laughs> right. like, what that? how does that benefit me as the consumer? Basically, I just feel ripped off. Same, it's the same um, with, like, it, all it, the paid it, online stuff. Like, how is that it, a benefit to me? I don't want your crappy free games. I don't have to pay <laughs> for it on PC or on old consoles, so... Like, uh, well, okay, oh, oh, okay. Well, we're we're we are getting into a little bit of a different beast here with the paid online yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's um, it's the same. You know, I'm a consumer. How is this good for me? Yes. What are you doing? The, the, I feel ripped off. Yeah. the The short answer is, it's good for you as a consumer because you can possibly get more interesting games out of it. Uh, that's kind of the very, very short version of the answer. Uh, note that I said you can get more interesting games. It doesn't in necessarily the, mean you theory. do. Oh, man. I can, <laughs> maybe I can actually feel those boobies next time I punch that ninja. It'll be great. Exactly. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Um, like like you mentioned, you know, when you're developing for, uh, for a console, you have to kind of follow all those guidelines, and a lot of them are the right. gimmicks of the controller. Mm-hmm. It if you kind of think back to, and I, I noticed this in particular with the uh, the Castlevania series that was on the DS, the yeah. uh, the Dawn of, like I freaking love those games. Order of Ecclesia, mm-hmm. not so much. I'm the only person on the planet who didn't really like that one. Um, but anyway, in the in Dawn of Sorrow, there was you know there was did you play Dawn of Sorrow at all or just uh, Aria of Sorrow? Uh, let me Google Dawn of Sorrow. Dawn of Sorrow was the one that had. I played Aria of Sorrow. Okay, okay. so yeah, Dawn of Sorrow <laughs> was the DS direct sequel to that one that had the uh, the super anime style that pissed everybody off, and okay. it's hilarious. It's personally, it's my favorite of the the portable uh, Metroidvania uh, Castlevanias. I okay. really like that one. But one of the one of the dumb gimmicks in it that I admit is kind of stupid was when you beat a boss, you had a, a circle circle pop up on the screen, and you had to draw a glyph to seal them. Mm-hmm. And if you failed it, then they get, regained a little bit of health. You had to keep fighting them, and it okay. would continue ad nauseum until if I said that right until you it. finally yeah, did it right until you finally drew the shape right. And then you know the very the very first one's a very simple shape. It's like a V. And then the next mm-hmm. one's kind of like a lightning bolt. And then by the end, you're drawing a circle with a star in the middle and uh, but by the end, you have to draw the Mona Lisa. Yeah, pretty much. And by by the time Order of Ecclesia rolled around, I honestly couldn't tell you if there was any touchscreen functionality in that because I don't remember. <laughs> I know yeah. I, I know there was a little bit in mm-hmm. in Portrait of Ruin. I yeah. don't really remember what, but I do remember it kind of being there. <laughs> but then, yeah, yeah, by the time Order of Ecclesia rolled around, just pfft, nothing. And I think mm. kind of motion controls on the Wii were the same thing, right? Like when the first ones came yeah. out, you had to have some stupid waggle in there for something, even if it <laughs> made no goddamn sense. Um, yeah, I I agree that you had to. I don't. I doubt that you had to for certification purposes. I may, maybe there was some amount of certification that like your game requires at least one waggle, <laughs> one waggle per hour. <laughs> quota, but I, uh, I, I don't know for certain if that is the case. Yeah. Uh, I think probably what it more is like is when a console first comes out, devs and designers want to play with the new toys it has, 
and be the first ones to do some cool new gimmick in their game with the cool new gimmick of the yeah. of the console. But then after a few years, everybody just kind of gets bored of it and it just kind of becomes mundane and old hat and people don't care about it anymore. Well, it's, it makes me wonder, though, too, because kind of back in the, uh, the NES SNES days mm. and probably the N64, I don't know... Um, Nintendo was notorious for being like super hard asses with all their everything. If you if you wanted to get yeah. your thing on the console, you had to you know really follow those guidelines. Yes, uh, like... that that actually is still pretty much the case. Um, I, I I know Nintendo was notorious for that the whole Nintendo seal of quality, yeah. seal of approval sort of thing. Which... Uh, the the thing is though, Nintendo was notorious for that. Because nobody else did yeah, it yeah. And back it, then. It is, <laughs> as like hard-ass and kind of unnecessary as it might seem, it's probably the reason why we actually have video games, is because they were like, stop doing this, stop making Custer's Revenge, and, <laughs> yeah. you know... Well, it's... Compared to how... Compared to, like, the Atari age, Nintendo was absolutely really strict on stuff. Yeah. Compared to now... It was pretty much the norm if... May, they, they were probably less strict on it back then, honestly, than they are oh, now. Interesting. It, um, just, it seems like they've kind of... At least, you know, again, from the outsider looking in, who has no idea how that mm, would work in the industry, the fact that yeah. it was so prevalent at the beginning of the DS and the, the Wii's lifespan, and then less so now, kind of makes me wonder if, you know, uh, especially with the Wii U's kind of struggling sales, if mm. they realize maybe, oh, we have to take a step back and stop trying to hammer people I, so much, or... I, I doubt that. Most of the third-party stuff is probably just developers just growing bored with the gimmicks and being, okay, let's just make more traditional games. Um, some of that might be, like, the designers themselves getting excited for a new mechanic and then eventually growing bored with it. Uh, what I suspect it's more of is probably the higher-ups in those companies going, okay, there's this new Nintendo console called the Wii, every person... Everybody start making a game uh, that uh, looks like you're jacking off. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's more like, okay, this Wii game, this Wii console, every household has it. I, like, if you crunch the numbers, there is two Wiis for every person in America. That's not true. I, but the, the point is, the Wii sold like... sixty. Like, yeah, it sold 80 trillion consoles. So every developer was like, we have to... We, we gotta use the waggle. We gotta... Like, I, I, I don't know this for certain. I was not working in design at that time. Um, and so I've talked to plenty of people who were but not specifically about this. Um, but just from what I know now, I, I suspect it probably wasn't much of Nintendo forcing stuff, on, forcing the waggle on developers. <laughs> the waggle I'm sure happened. there was a little bit... It probably was like, you, you need to include some kind of motion control in your game. That's, that's probably all the restrictions it was. Um... And I think it was more, much more like e even that. I, I'm not fully confident in saying that there was that restriction. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I did. I, I was in game testing then, and I was involved with some certification stuff with the Wii, and I don't remember there being requirements for oh. motion controls. Oh, man, are we really that uh, old? 
Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, but anyways, I, I think it really is just more the developers, all the companies were excited about it. The higher ups and all the companies said, we, yo, we got to get the thing. We got we to gotta have the, the hip new thing. And then, you know, it's, you see this a lot in mobile games, much more, I mean, you, you, you see this everywhere, really, but it's really the most obvious in mobile games. Like, after Pokemon, or like, after Flappy Bird came out, there were 80 billion Flappy Bird God clones. <laughs> after Clash Royale got big, there were 80 billion Clash Royale clones. After Pokemon Go got big, there have been 80 billion Pokemon Go clones. Really? I'm, uh, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I actually, I don't know if there's been quite that many Pokemon Go clones, but I have seen a few. I've seen a few on the App Store. Like what? Um, I'm curious now. If you if you remember oh, any. I, I, I don't remember any off the top of my head. Uh, um, Dig Digimon went? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, a, that's not... Uh, the <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> tangent here. I, I hate mobile game names. <laughs> so much. I work for a mobile game company. I hate the names of everything so much because everything is like everything is like champion heroes. Uh, yes, like like that. Heroes. <laughs> champion heroes. Pick That's probably words. the name of a game on an app store. Somebody like, make it now. <laughs> like this is the the fault of free to play being uh, being the, the norm on mobile gaming. I, God, this is a weird tangent. Okay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll make this quick, so I'm not taking up too much time. Game Candy Crush. Everyone wants to be Candy Crush. Everybody clones Candy Crush and makes game names that are similar. The point being that if someone tells their friend, "Hey, I played this candy game. Hmm, that game sounded fun. Let me. I don't remember exactly what oh, it was called. Like yeah, I know Candy Smash or Chocolate Crunch or something like that. <laughs> Let me look it up. And so then you search for something kind of similar to Candy Crush, but not exactly Candy Crush. And then that that's why all the if you look on the App Store, every game sounds like every other game. It's that's like why the Chinese knockoff syndrome, basically. It re it really is, but it works. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it really, really works. Okay, Flappy Bird. May everybody went crazy over Flappy Bird. N somewhat recently, everybody has gone crazy over Crossy Road. What? Why would you ever name a game Crossy Road? <laughs> Why? It, it plays nothing like Flappy Bird. It has. It's basically Frogger. It, it's Frogger with a uh, a retro pixel style. Uh, of course, which Frogger, which Frogger has. So yeah. <laughs> um, so it, so it is just Frogger. It's Frogger it's from Fro a different company. It's, <laughs> it's Frogger, but free to play, so you can spend money on it. Of course. Uh, it, I... And it's called Crossy Road. Nobody would ever name a game Crossy Road for any reason ever, because that is the dumbest freaking name. But <laughs> Flappy Bird was was popular, so you think of you know, Verbi Noun, <laughs> and then you got a game name. City chair, brand new game on mobile, free to play, all about sitting in a chair. City chair, t number one on the app store. Well, then by you know, okay. by this logic, they should have called it Fiery Emblem. Fiery Emblem. Yeah, it's called Fire Emblem Heroes. I made a <laughs> joke about Champion Heroes. See, you just slap heroes in the name of any game, and it'll sell well on a mobile. Okay, I'm done yelling. The point is, point is, develop. 
higher-ups and companies are quick to jump on fads and on, what is popular because they want to make money off trends, of it. Yeah. The, the, yes, the memes. Uh, the memes. Thank you, Metal Gear. Um, oh, they're quick to jump on what's popular because they want to make money off of it. So, that's why when a new game console comes out or a new handheld comes out, everything uses its gimmick. And then after a few years or maybe even a few months, games wean off it pretty quick. Because at that point, the excitement over the gimmick has died. It's more about, okay, let's just make an, a decent game. It's while, while I talk crap about mobile gaming, this is absolutely too, true of console gaming as well. Look, for example, after Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, there were all the billions of GTA clones, suddenly everything was open world. Uh, look at once Call of Duty got popular and Gears of War, everything was just brown and gray cover-based shooting or first-person shooting. After Minecraft got popular, everything was retro art-style building games with mine or craft in the name. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just kind of how things work in the industry. Uh, I, it's, it's the same of every industry. You just follow whatever is popular and hope you can make money off of it. And occasionally somebody makes something that isn't like that, and then it be then it becomes the new thing to make to copy off of. <laughs> look at all the superhero movies in Hollywood. Uh, don't even look get me at started. all the, look at a couple years back. Look at all the children's fantasy books that suddenly got turned into movies because Harry Potter was making all the money in the universe. Remember the Aragon movie? Remember that beloved thing? No, nobody does. <laughs> I, I vaguely do. Don't watch you, Aragon. I, I thought you were talking about like the Lord of the Rings for a second. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Now I know what you're talking about because I remember <laughs> the, seeing the, the kid preview. With the blue dragon. Yeah, yeah. And being like, wait, isn't that? Huh? It's, yeah, it's the exact yeah, same like, confusion like, I'm feeling right now. Yeah, um, Red Letter Media touches on this way better than I do. It, it's the what do we got sort of mentality. Like, they, yeah. they made the series of unfortunate events. They made uh, Lemony Snicket. That's the same thing. They made uh, <laughs> Percy Jackson and the Olympians, I think it's called. I don't know. Golden Compass. You know, this is true of pretty much any major industry. Copy what's popular, and then once it's not popular anymore don't do it as much. It's the same thing as in everything. It's just with video games, it's usually more about specific gimmicks. Uh, I, I, I want to point out real quick, too, by the way, I, I had mm. to go see if uh, Champion Heroes was an actual game or not. <laughs> it's not. Please tell me. No, Damn but, it. like, I mean, there, there's a lot of basically what you'd expect. Like, uh, let's see. Uh, there's Hyper Heroes. Mm. There's Heroes Evolved. Uh, Heroes Charge. Heroes Arena. Yep. Um, but this this one in particular kind of made me laugh. It's called Heroes of Skyrealm. <laughs> De like, Skyrealm. Definitely not Skyrim. Definitely <laughs> no, not no, Skylanders. No. I mean, De it's, definitely none of those things. It's it's spelled in a pretty uh like pretty different way. It's Sky R E A L M. But I mean, <laughs> at right. the same time, when you when you kind of think say it, I mean, if if you were gonna say to somebody. Like, oh, I've been playing, you know, uh, yeah, Heroes of Skyrim on something or other, and then, oh, I found yeah. Heroes of Skyrealm. That's the, what he said, Yeah. Right? 
yeah, my it, it doesn't speak with his lips, so who knows? Maybe that's yeah. What he said. The the app stores on mobile game or uh, both. Uh, this is this is applicable to both the Google App Store and the iTunes App Store. Um, it's one hundred percent just reliant on people not remembering what <laughs> their, what the right names are. That that's the that's kind of the point. Uh, I'm trying to remember where we kicked off into this tangent. Uh, right, you asked where or what the benefit to the consumer is about all this. Benefit to the consumer is that you can get some interesting games out of it. Uh, going back to the cost of a controller, since that's kind of where this whole thing spiraled out from, uh, I don't necessarily know if the cost really is justified... Um, the benefit to the consumer for needing to pay that much for some controllers is that, you know, you, A, you have a second controller and maybe you can play some multiplayer games with it. I don't know. Do you have there multiplayer games you want to play? That sort of thing. Uh, the benefit to the consumer for paid online, because I remember you mentioned that. Oh, man, and well, I did want to talk about we, this. We should I don't, save I don't that know. one for a different podcast, because I can I, complain I, about I, that. I, we, we could argue I'll, that I'll, one forever. <laughs> we'll touch on it a little bit, because I, I, I think this is something that a lo- I, I hear a lot of people complain about a lot of the time. And this is, this is 100% just... Okay, okay. Literally everything in the video game industry boils down to, alright, but how much money is it going to make us? <laughs> Like, literally yeah. everything is how much money is it going to make us. So, uh, that sounds really cynical and mean. Like, I- I'm sure you're all picturing, like, Scrooge McDuck's or Monty uh, Burns. The really, the really sit- nice table in the uh, the sky-high tower with all the, the yes-men right, sitting around right. it. it it's, it, it, it's EA. not that You're thinking moment. of EA. You're thinking of EA, yes. It's... it's <laughs> The vast majority of the time, it is not that malicious. Yes, even with EA, the vast majority of the time, it's not that malicious. It's get, Video games are a business. They take a mind-bogglingly huge amount of money to make and advertise. Um, and you, you just gotta make your money back on them. And we kinda got spoiled as gamers on the early days of the internet when servers were either just like they they, they were all they 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 had to host like they had to host players so yeah they were either hosted by the players which is still the largely the case on pc uh which is why there aren't that many if any paid i think it's just online stuff yeah there's just uh mmos yeah um pc gamers especially you need to be careful of because developers definitely know pirates are a big thing and developers know that kind of no matter what you do pirates are going to get past your your stuff uh obviously it doesn't work if it's like multiplayer like it's hard to pirate a a huge multiplayer game because you know you need to check in onto the servers and all that jazz but you know for for lots of games it, it, developers know pirates are gonna figure out ways to get around stuff. So, despite the fact it might seem like developers don't know or don't care, they do put a lot of thought towards that and try to make their systems not so terrible that 
you'll yeah. want to pirate it. Um, I, think um, too... I, I, I kind of think that we, like I mentioned earlier, we, we, we as gamers got spoiled from the early age of the internet, and by that I mean pretty much up until this generation of, of game consoles. Uh, the, the fact that Sony's uh, they, they hosted PlayStation Network for free online for so or online for free for so long was honestly really really surprising uh, I they kind of had to start charging for it I'm sure because it, it, it's really hard to understand quite how huge these online services are both in terms of all the games they host and how much traffic they get and how many because it's not just people playing games online. Paying for PlayStation Network or Xbox Live also pays for all the servers hosting all your achievement and trophy data and all the games you can download. And See, that's, you that's where me, as like an old man gamer, that's where I get really annoyed by it because I hate achievements. I think they're stupid. <laughs> um, like for something, you know, a, uh, uh, like a, what do you call it? An, MM, an MMO, like World of Warcraft mm. or Final Fantasy fourteen. If if I'm gonna pay a subscription for that, that I can kind of get behind that because they're constantly pushing out new uh, new content for me, and right. you know, sure, yeah, okay, that deserves my money, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and I am playing on their servers. With right. game consoles, though, I I feel like you would be hard pressed to find a game uh, on consoles today that actually have you play on a server versus peer to peer, so. Why the hell? Like, why would I have to pay for to play on well, somebody else's <laughs> Xbox? And like, I know there's you're gonna have to yeah. connect the server to redirect you to their their console and this and that. But if uh, more... a, a lot of a lot of games actually are hosted on servers, uh, like even games you wouldn't expect, like uh, Dark Souls that like like Dark Souls and Demon Souls, you just connect to a person, like. It seems like it's hosted, like they're the ones hosting, or you're the ones hosting, or something like that. Because there's no server browser, you just connect straight to a person. Obviously, it's peer to peer. No, that's servers hosted by From Software that are doing that. There was uh, a few years ago, I think probably around the time Dark Souls 2 came out, there was talk that they were going to shut down the Demon Souls servers so right, they yeah, never I play that. Demon Souls online again. And I, I, I believe their servers are still up. Uh, Last but like I checked, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot. Of, I, I, I will clarify. I don't know for absolute certain if those those specific games are uh, server based or if the servers are just there to handle peer to peer connections. Yeah, I know. Um, well, because stuff like Call of Duty, um, I yeah. know. I don't know what the current release uh, is like, but I do remember. Mm-hmm. I think I want to say Call of Duty Four. Um, the first one on PS... I don't even remember. I never played them. But uh, yeah. I remember my my old roommate playing on the PS4, and I remember kind of watching a few of the games he played, and the mm-hmm. the latency you could expect from match to match was hilarious, because sometimes, <laughs> you know, he connect Because one person's the host, right? And if that person has a good connection, yeah. great. But then I remember watching him play a couple where it was... You know, everyone everyone was a ninja because they just vanish all the time, and it was like, <laughs> it was super frustrating to him, super hilarious for me because it was just like, wow, this looks horrendous. I I don't know, 
I don't have any hard numbers on how many games nowadays are are peer to peer versus uh, the company itself hosting. Yeah. Uh, I I would probably wager it's it leans more towards the company. Um, but I I that's totally just me talking out of my ass. I I, can, I don't know. I can see it um, depending that's kind on of my game intuition. Too. Like it, it, Dark Souls, it does depend. Yeah, like Dark Souls, it's you know your your character. You have a character that's constantly growing and changing and finding new stuff. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Whereas opposed to something like Counter Strike, Team Fortress Two, or dare I say even Overwatch, um, <laughs> that's you know you kind of you know you have your character and bleh, they're just they're they're yeah, there. Yeah. They don't really level up and grow. So connecting to any random server, you don't really need to like. You don't need to have your character's data already on it, sort of deal. Yeah. Um, well, I I know at least with Overwatch, it's like all the servers are just hosted on Blizzard's side, and uh, matchmaking is a big thing nowadays. Yeah. There, there's no, you know, even five or six years ago, matchmaking wasn't quite as big of a deal as it is now. Yeah. Now, now it's really important to to for there to be decent matchmaking. And matchmaking is really complicated. Oh, yeah, I believe Even it. if it's just you have an arbitrary number that says this is how good you are, you still have to search through huge swaths of players that are all searching for games and stuff like that for matchmaking. Yeah. And players get really mad when there's no matchmaking because this isn't 2007 anymore where you can just join a random CS server. Well, you can on Counter-Strike, you know, but... Well, yeah, you, you, you still can. <laughs> I'm, I'm being you obviously still can. But, but, you know, it, 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 that's not really what gamers want or expect nowadays. Yeah. This is evidenced by Team Fortress 2, which has consistently pretty much always been server-based. Somewhat recently released a big update where pretty much now in order to get to a server list you kind of have to jump through some hoops well yeah because they have every, like, everything else is just matchmaking based. they have like the matchmaking list because they well they simplified it to make it like oh you want to get a yeah. game click this find a game if you want the old yeah. way where yeah. you go find your server here's you know click this button and then right. uh, tell us your dog's name and then here you go yeah yeah um, well, I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll, someday, though, like, if we can, if we can, uh, you're in the industry, right? So maybe if you know somebody who's more familiar with the kind of networking side of it, maybe we can get them on to talk to them. Uh, yeah, Shed some yeah, light definitely. on it, which would be cool. I definitely don't want to go mm-hmm. too much more on this one, because like I said, we could talk for hours on paid online and yeah, online in I, general. I, we, we absolutely could. There is one thing that I, I do want to mention, uh... Or, or that I wanted to point out about something you mentioned. You said that with an MMO, you're okay for paying because you get constant stream of updates and it keeps the game running and all that. The same is true of paying for a console's online. Uh, you paying for Sony or, in the case of the Switch, Nintendo, to to have access to online multiplayer, that is basically helping to pay for updates to the console to come out, uh, updates to... It, it helps pay for all the updates to the actual games in a, in a roundabout way, because if you're not paying for online, then Sony doesn't have money to host all the billions of update files that they need for all of their games and all that jazz. Uh, it is a little bit of a roundabout, but you are paying for... Uh, for content, it's just not as direct. 
as it with could also be content uh, I don't particularly want, though, too. Which it could. It absolutely could. But, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's kind of. I see what you're getting at, though. Anyway, so so we did we did <laughs> we did talk about the peripherals as planned. Uh, yes. Tangents <laughs> did go on. So we you know we did talk about them. Uh, I kind of mentioned the price and you know I shake my fist at those damn kids on my lawn and you you spoke about <laughs> why the cost might be that way and we had so we had oh, some yeah. discussion like I think we kind of got all of that out of the way um, yep. but that being said now that we're kind of at the end of this part um, the so that you know the price is up there you've explained why we've both explained some of the concerns and <laughs> it finally kind of boils totally wrapping back I, I, into this I, expert I, segue gotta ask do you feel the price then of not just the Joy-Con but at least first party peripherals do you feel that those prices are justified or like do you agree I, I, disagree I think how do you feel the Joy-Con is expensive I think it's probably there. there is absolutely a reason for it it's not Monty Burns sitting in his giant tower thinking huh we could charge forty dollars, but we'll charge eighty and get more money. <laughs> As he wrings his hands, it's that's not Monty Burns' voice at all. No, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what that was. <laughs> uh, the, that doesn't happen as much as gamers like to imagine it does. Even with stuff that seems like it would, like uh, day one DLC and on disc DLC. And oh, all that, we will need to discuss that, that at some point. Yeah, that's another episode. I'm not even gonna. Yeah, try to touch on we, that. We've had some but, pretty good conversations on that already. Um, but the the point is, developers, you know, they they know or not. Yeah, the big game companies, including Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, they know if they price something too expensive, people are going to be mad about it, and they're not going to buy it. And Steam they're not going great. to. They they you they don't they also don't price things at like the limit. Like, I, I assume, I, I, I can't even say I'll assume, I, I know that Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft all know we can price a console at this much and people will buy it without complaining. Same with peripherals, same with everything. Uh, the, the, but they probably aren't going to price it all the way up there because they, probably because they don't need to, and... As much as people don't think so, companies do care about their user bases. They don't want to piss people off. Oh, yeah, they, they want to keep them uh, loyal, right? So they can keep right. leading they, them they, they, will, they will price things at a level that they think is fair, but that they still can make somewhat of a decent profit off of. Yeah. Obviously, this doesn't quite apply to consoles because they're a giant spaghetti mess. Um... <laughs> I don't know for certain if this applies to peripherals. I assume it does. Uh, I think that 80 bucks for a controller is too much for a controller. I, I also want to point out that uh, as of this recording, uh, you know, February 10th, the mm. 79.99 US dollar price tag in Canada, that's going to run you 105 bucks. For a controller. <laughs> great. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a lot of money. I th it is more than I would be willing to pay for a controller. I assume that it's priced that way because it needs to be. Because if it was priced for significantly cheaper, then Nintendo would just not make any money off of it. 
I if they even are making any money off of it now, I don't know. Um, it sucks that it's that price, and it will probably see price drops in the future. Mm, I don't know. Uh, it's Nintendo. I mean, think about how uh, their games go. Uh, that's tr that's I, true. I, I've never really like paid attention to their peripherals or their consoles if they uh, like when they price drop as opposed to their games because their games never do. Yeah, uh, I, I suspect that there will probably be some kind of price dropping. I imagine more what will probably happen is just... Mad cats. Games will be designed more around the assumption that you only have one Joy-Con, yeah. and you just split it in half. Um, yeah, I guess that's... I, I, I think it's justified. I don't like it, but I think it's justified <laughs> uh, to answer your question. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about it, um, but uh, getting... Oh, as, as for the, the price of the... I've heard people complain about the price of the Switch itself. I think those people are goddamn stupid. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, I just called you stupid. Unsubscribe from the podcast and dislike right now. <laughs> no, uh, we need, no, we no, need no. subscribers. <laughs> subscribe, <laughs> then you can unsubscribe. Or whatever the hell we get. I don't even know. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Switch is... Uh, all joking aside, I think the Switch is priced quite fairly. Um, I think a lot of people are being really critical of the Switch's price tag because I, I think people are thinking of it more like a handheld. And yeah. 300 bucks for a handheld is a bit on the pricey side, but, like, 300 bucks is... I, I'm pretty sure it's cheaper than, or at least equal price to pretty much any other mainstream AAA game console at launch. Like, oh. 300 bucks for a brand new video game console is quite fair, I think. Yeah, I've for, been surprised at, at how launch, much... A lot of people try to argue, you know, the tech is behind the uh, the X-Bone or the PS4, mm -hmm. so therefore it shouldn't cost as much. And But, I mean... As far as just a new console being released, yeah, and Nintendo being Nintendo, of course, hasn't released all the speci uh, specifications yet. So yeah. maybe maybe they do have a Maxwell <laughs> GPU in there that's going to make it awesome, <laughs> or maybe they are using uh, weird old. Who knows? I I do understand people being upset that for the hardware, it's probably not as you 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 probably are getting less bang for your buck compared to a PlayStation or an Xbox. But I think that in kind of the grand scheme of things, it is still fairly priced. Uh, I'm absolutely certain Nintendo is still, like, losing money with every Switch that's being sold. And I think 300 bucks is a fair price point for a brand new game console. But that's just me. <laughs> you, you are a big I, dork, I, I, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> take, it with, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, for anyone you know, kind of listening, who's had their their own opinions on it and felt strongly one way or another, um, hopefully, kind of hopefully, the the discourse we've had has you know kind of given some more information, so you can maybe maybe you've changed your mind a little bit, or maybe you're more firm on your stance. But uh, I, I, at least me, I feel you know, because I'm I'm very headstrong and very opinionated and stubborn and an idiot so mm -hmm. i i fully understand kind of feeling really passionate about something but at the same time i like to think that given more information i can change my opinion so you know yeah. hopefully for anyone else listening to who even if they were just confused and unsure hopefully having some more information and especially coming kind of from the inside or just knowing from the industry now will 
hopefully they'll at least if nothing else be more educated so they can stand more firmly hopefully. by their opinion and not just stay by it because it's theirs <laughs> or we made things worse and our ramblings have confused them further <laughs> Entirely possible, too, yes. So, who knows? <laughs> so uh, I think kind of each each podcast we do, we're going to we're gonna try and, you know, kind of pick one, one subject, uh, something big going on, or at least something, something that's kind of stuck out in the industry for a long time, something that's, like I mentioned, paid online. I think that's, that's something people are going to fight about till until we're all drafted to fight in Trump's war. Um, <laughs> I, I've, you know, of course I jest, but I think it's something that is going yeah. to be fought about forever and ever. So, Oh, Trump, Trump's war, you mean? Yes, yes, of course. Ah, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, like, we'll try and kind of pick one one thing we think we could fight about with amongst ourselves forever and just, again, yep. get some opinions, get some information out there, and then we'll move on to there about a little more standard podcast uh, format and just talking about a bit about games that we like. Um, yeah. I don't know. We're, we both have fairly eclectic tastes because we're definitely not the dude bros. Uh, we're dude we're bros. kind of like a weird, weird part way between the old jaded niche. Speaking of dude bros, I've been playing Doom lately. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> yes. We're, we're not dude bros. Now let me talk about this first person <laughs> shooter I've been playing. So yeah, if if uh, if you care more about hearing us talk about, you know, industry stuff and things like that, you can probably tune out now. Uh, if you want to hear more about the games itself, I I, I will say, uh, you you can tune out if you don't want to just hear about industry stuff. But I generally talk about games more from the view of a game designer oh, yeah, about how how well mechanics work with each other and what what supports one another and stuff like that. So if that sounds interesting, you can keep listening. Yeah. Keep, keep li listen to the whole podcast, every podcast. Subscribe, like, comment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, at me, you know, I, I like to think I'm a designer because every gamer ever does, but we're not. Um, I, I... No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I'm making, Sorry, I'm go making on, go a game. On. That makes me a designer, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, just be the conversations we've had between ourselves, I've I've learned a, a ton. But uh, no, I I have a, uh, as the old the old stereotype goes, completely useless uh, arts degree. I will I will gladly argue video games from an artistic standpoint. Uh, that yep. being said, my my kind of sense and personal stance on art is very very old school I guess um, <laughs> your, your view is that art is dead yeah art is dead uh, <laughs> I you know like it, my big thing was theater mostly and I like old school theater I like Shakespeare I like plays that are plays uh, you get into kind of the more, more postmodern things like waiting for Godot and I'm going to get really mad um, so you know I do I do like the artistic side of it but I'm a little more old school in that side but you know it, you know what you know what game I, I really want you to play because I I kind of suspect you will hate it and I kind of want you to play because I, I honestly don't know if you'll hate it or like it because I honestly don't know if I hate it or like it <laughs> um is the witness Jonathan uh, Blow's yeah. puzzle puzzle yeah. thing um I okay I played the witness this is not a new game this game came out last year no, sometime yeah. probably everybody's done talking talk about it everybody and their mom has talked about how either it's just pretentious artsy garbage 
or I, I hear also a lot of people talking about how it's like genius game design. It's a second coming of Christ in game design form. Um, I, like it really is a game that I don't know if I like, if I love or hate it. I have never been more conflicted on a game <laughs> than I have been with The Witness. Um, and I don't want to go into huge detail why, because a lot of the interesting things that it does are based on kind of like your expectations going in as a player. Um, and so obviously if I talk about them, yeah, it kind it's of gonna, ruins that. Yeah. Well, I, I might already be a lost cause on this because I know I know about the quote unquote secret ending. Uh, yeah. which I won't spoil for anyone who has played it, but like, kind of knowing that just makes me want to punch a baby. Um, I will say, uh, having played the game, I I also heard about the uh, secret ending, which uh, I also know about the secret ending, or I, I knew about it before I played the game. Uh, I still, despite that, I, I, I played through the game. And it see, after having played through the game, it was moderately less pretentious artsy garbage because it does have some themes that the game touches on and so I'm like okay this isn't as bad as I thought it was but it's still pretty bad <laughs> um, I, the, the reason I don't know if I love or hate The Witness is because it does really really interesting theme, things with its game design Everybody talks about how, oh, it's great level design because it teaches you how to play without using any words. And while that's true, I don't think that's kind of the main draw. Or I don't think that's the... It's kind of the main draw. It's not the best thing its game design does. It's game design... It... <laughs> the game is actually... The game is a Metroidvania in the weirdest sense. Huh. It, it is absolutely a Metroidvania game that you just don't know it's a Metroidvania until either you're done playing or your second playthrough. Because the, there are so many mechanics in the game that you don't realize are mechanics until later on. I've, I've heard so that, then, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's the kind of game where... Uh, so this is a little bit spoilery for a, a game uh, the, for game mechanics uh, there's pretty much no plot in the game so don't worry I'm not spoiling the plot uh, if you care about <laughs> slight game mechanic spoilers uh, skip ahead a little bit um, but that like in the very first area of the game uh, oh, not the very first you start in like a, a dark tunnel but the, the first open area you go to you, you go out of a tunnel into like a castle courtyard in that castle courtyard there are two puzzles that you cannot complete or know how to complete until you have beaten almost every other puzzle in the game and you don't even realize that those are puzzles until you have beaten almost every other puzzle in the game interesting and i think that's kind of cool uh this, this is the one part of the, about the witness that i really like is because it does really neat stuff like that uh, and I think that that should hopefully be what other designers take away from The Witness. I don't think many of them will. The puzzles are neat in the game, but what the game really does is... Uh, the puzzles are neat, and 
a lot of people are focused on it teaching you how to complete those puzzles without telling you, but the really cool thing that the game is doing that I don't see talked about a lot is that the game teaches you to look out for things that you didn't know you were supposed to look out for, if that makes any sense. Not a lick, but go on. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to be as vague as possible here because <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I because if I explain it, yeah. then it defeats the whole point. I, I am picking and, up what you are putting down. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, weird thing. Th th this isn't a game design thing. This is more into what could laughably be called the game's story. But the game feels like it's got kind of like a pretentious, artsy kind of story to it. But, so, so okay, it's got artsy story that's full of meaning and symbolism. So let's think about what this symbolism is. And it's like, it, when you start thinking about some of the themes of the game itself, it's like making fun of you for playing it. Like, a lot of the themes are about, like, people doing things that they don't like to do because they can. Oh. <laughs> which is basically... Well, that's basically like, mobile gaming, isn't it? Which is, which is basically mobile gaming, but it's also <laughs> The Witness in and of itself. The game has 80 trillion puzzles in it, and at some point you're probably going to get... You will absolutely guaranteed 100% reach a puzzle you don't like at some point in the game, but you're going to keep trying to do it because it's there, and you have yeah. to do it because it's there. Yeah, and, and the for game... someone like me who has to do things when I'm playing a game, which is right. amazing that and, I'm not a and the game kind but... <laughs> uh, what, what, little, what few dialogue there is in the game, uh, some of it really heavily hints towards berating that kind of mentality. And so it's like, I don't know if I love or hate that. Because <laughs> well, on the one hand, it's kind of funny that it's berating you for playing it, but on the other hand, it is not fun to play a yeah, lot of the time because of that. I feel like that. I just play the game and then want to get in a fight with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you and me outside. That, and that's a, cool. That is how I it. feel. I want to fight the witness. I love and hate the witness. <laughs> God damn it! Um, All right. Anyway, yes, you were you were you were you were going to talk about Doom. So I, I was <laughs> going to talk about Doom. Um, everybody's talked about how great Doom is. It's a good game. I'd recommend people play it. Um, it's got some big problems <laughs> to it that I don't see people talking about too terribly much. Um, everybody seems to focus on the upgrade system as the main downside to it, and while I do think it is kind of a downside and probably could be done much better, the real problem to me is just that you spend a lot of time just wandering around trying to find secrets and looking at your map. And granted, to be to be fair, this is a fault of the uh, of the weapon upgrade system. Yeah, usually when I hear people complaining about the uh, the upgrades, that kind of goes uh, you know hand in hand with the pixel hunting, secret searching kind of thing. Yeah, um, it, it is oddly enough not nearly as pixel hunting as the original Doom. I guess I should probably explain. Well, the original uh, Doom wasn't so much pixel hunting as it was uh, pixel humping. Because you just yeah, walked up to every wall and... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Att shoot every single wall, walk up to every single wall, and see... Mash the Maybe it'll button. open. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
for people that haven't played the new Doom, uh, there's a weapon upgrade system. Uh, the weapon upgrade system is pretty standard weapon upgrades. Their weapons have mods. You can power up the mods. It's, the mods provide for like, large... Uh, dead space, the way the upgrades kind of work in that. Maybe I've played very little of Dead Space. Okay. It's same kind so of thing. Like I, I don't each, know exactly. Each weapon has its own upgrade tree, basically, which is like you know, K kind of. Yeah, yeah, you can upgrade capacity or range or width or whatever. The, I I will give Doom credit. The upgrades are more creative than that. They're more interesting than that. And I I will say, you the vast majority of the time, whenever I get an upgrade, it gives me a new way to play with that weapon, which is good game design. Good good on you, Doom devs. But they pr probably could have designed this stuff into the weapons from the start and not included a weapon upgrade system <laughs> and just had all the weapons be like this from the start. Uh, for, for anybody listening who doesn't know, uh, the Doom 2016 New Doom has a weapon upgrade system you that is primarily fueled through finding the secrets in the levels. Uh, secret, in massive air quotes, is a pretty loose term. It's basically an out-of-the-way area that you probably wouldn't normally go to unless you were specifically looking to go to an out-of-the-way area. This could be, huh. like... Th this ranges from anything from, like just a corridor that you can't easily see or that you don't need to go down and if you go down this corridor then you can find a secret to like parkouring across some platforms that you don't need to par like like getting on top of an air duct and walking along and then jumping to a roof that's across from that then going from an air duct on that and then wait, you wait, find wait. a secret you can jump in this doom you can jump oh, in this dude. doom. You Clearly can, not. You can doom double anymore. jump in what this doom. What is this? What have the garbage game? Oh my god! Garbage game. It's not doom. Get rid of it. <laughs> Unless I'm uh, running full speed off a cliff and just kind of clearing it, landing yep. on another cliff. It's not doom. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't want to spend a whole ton of time talking about this. But uh, the the main problem is that the you get the vast majority of your weapon upgrade points from finding these secrets. So, the, the best part of the game, by far, is the combat. Combat rules. It owns bones. It feels like Platinum Games made a first-person shooter. Oh, man, why um, haven't they? The, I don't know, but oh, they I made Vanquish. You know, Japanese Vanquish is a third-person Vanquish is a third-person shooter. Third-person cover-based shooter made by Platinum Games. And it, it goddamn rules. It was my game of the year, whatever year it came out. Everyone listening to this should go play Vanquish. Uh, this is the third check from Platinum Games I've received this week to yeah, talk geez, about their games. How much, <laughs> how much are they paying you? <laughs> no, but seriously, Vanquish Rules. Go find a cheap copy of it. I'm sure it's only like 10 or 20 bucks used. Vanquish owns. It'll be the most fun you'll ever have playing a third-person shooter. Um, anyways, uh, the combat in Doom is great. It's super fast-paced. There's lots of really interesting decisions that you need to make. Uh, pretty much everybody else who has ever talked about the game ever has discussed these, so I won't really go into it too much. Um, but lots of really smart gameplay design decisions that make the game really fun and fast-paced. But then, after you beat a, a room full of demons, you'll spend five to ten times as long just searching the room for secrets. Just weird pacing. 
I would want to suggest just saying screw it, ignore secrets, just run from one combat encounter to the next. Uh, you do get some weapon upgrade points just by fighting enemies, but you will kind of be gimping yourself that way. You'll pretty much be railroading yourself into one or two weapons instead of, like, all, all of them. them. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, sucks. I, I'm sure one of the first mods people made was something that just unlocks all the gear from the start. Or even maybe just, like, in hard mode it does that, I don't know. Maybe. Th that's One of the most disappointing things is that there's no New Game Plus... You can go back and replay levels uh, just via mission select, but I think if you want to go up another difficulty, you might be able to. I don't. I don't know for certain. I I'm fairly certain though that if you want to start a harder difficulty, you have to just start a new game. Yeah. So that means you have to start from square one, which means you got to just hunt out all the goddamn secrets again. Like if the game included a functional new game plus where you beat the game on normal or whatever then you can play on hard or super hard with all your unlocked stuff then i think that would be great and i almost wonder if maybe that was intended and they just didn't have time because that would explain a lot of the game design decisions around or regarding the weapon upgrade system because it's like okay the first playthrough is kind of a bit more slower paced, you're upgrading everything, it's slower paced so Taking it gives you more atmosphere. time to get a feel for the Ooh, combat yeah. then okay, you beat the game once training wheels are off, go into super hard mode and just have a blast that's what I suspect it was going to be originally and then just you'll, you'll, have, to, uh, you'll have to check out some of the later <laughs> difficulties and see if, if there's like any kind of major core changes yeah, Maybe they'll I, release I, a, you know, a difficulty DLC that adds that. The first one being very normal, and it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> very normal. Where's my very normal <laughs> video game industry? I want... There's, there's easy, there's very easy, there's hard, there's very hard, there's normal, there's no very normal. Yeah, Where is it? We, we need that very normal difficulty. <laughs> Alright, I've been playing Doom. What have you been playing lately? Um... Most of what I've been playing lately has been a lot of uh, Earth Defense Force. Um, I picked it up on Steam during the, the winter sale. Uh, Earth, mm. Earth Defense Force 4.1. Uh, it's a... I don't know if it's a remake or just kind of a re-release of uh, Earth Defense Force 20, 2025, I want to say? It's, but, like, it's <laughs> 20 number? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a series, you know, a Japanese-made series that's... It's pretty goddamn Japanese. <laughs> uh, I know it, the development's kind of been all over the place. There was one that was released um, by an American company. I, I remember seeing the box art on it for uh, on Xbox 360, mm -hmm. and I, I'm pretty sure it's also on Steam actually. Uh, back when yeah. Blockbuster was around in Canada, and very yeah, very weird game. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I've been playing the hell out of that. I picked up a lot of games during the Steam sale, and that's basically all I've been playing. And it is <laughs> it is a ridiculous game. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I could say if it's well-designed or not. Uh, one, a podcast yeah. I eventually want to have is talking about, you know, is good, good game design fun? Because I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of games that are poorly designed are fun because of it. And this this kind of feels like one of those games that would fall into that category, 
Uh, yeah. To sum up, sum up kind of what the gameplay itself is, it's mm. basically if anyone has seen the uh, the first Starship Troopers movie, it's basically it, it, that. It. <laughs> like, like Starship Troopers Glad. is you know it's a movie kind of people love it for some reason, even though it's a really terrible movie. Uh, wait, but, wait a minute! You said the first Starship was there a second Starship Troopers? Yeah, there was like three or four of them. Really? Yeah, and like, <laughs> I need to see those. I bet they're awful. Oh, they're terrible. Like the first one was kind of campy schlock, and I remember our, yeah. when it came out, all my friends were basically saying um, the movie basically feels like a a ploy to get people to join the army. Like it just feels like a really big weird <laughs> army recruitment video. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like you know paper thin plot. Oh, aliens are hanging around Earth and they're jerks, and then it's just a bunch of guys in army outfits fighting bugs. And that's basically so, so. They actually are bugs. Yeah. Well, you know, can EDF. can you tell which one I'm talking about right now? Because that basically <laughs> sums up both EDF and uh, and Starship Troopers. So yeah, EDF. Um, Great. It's basically yeah. There's aliens that have come to Earth, and they're giant insects, and mm-hmm. they, even to the dismay of uh, etymologists out there, when they call the spot giant spiders giant insects, you know, you might make your blood boil. But they're all just. <laughs> giant insects and same kind of deal like basically you as the player you pick your class uh, you get a bunch of weapons and you go at it and you just you go into a map and there's like a thousand plus bugs and you just sit there shooting them and time to shoot them all yeah and so you know if you can kill them all you live you beat the mission great you go on to the next one and then while you're sitting there shooting everything um, mm-hmm. there's guys who kind of have radio conversations who try to tell the plot and the plot's utterly ridiculous but in a <laughs> in a Starship Troopers kind of way like it's so yeah, dumb yeah. that it's funny and it's just again so paper thin and so easy but at the same time you can't help but giggle about it and like um, and the voice acting is phenomenal by the way um, yeah. they it's just like super corny super cheesy um, one of my favorite parts about the voice acting is that like because there's you on the map, but then there's also kind of NPC helpers. And mm. if you get near them, uh, if they don't have a leader, they'll you'll become their leader, and then they just kind of follow you around and shoot stuff. And they'll, they have kind of a preset list of things that they talk about, except that they don't make any goddamn sense, and it's really funny. So, like, <laughs> you'll be walking along, and they have the, you know, the occasional things, which can be helpful, like, oh... Like, we've been spotted. Oh, here they come. Yeah. Oh, I begged one. Scratch one ant. And, like, stuff like that, right? Video game yeah. lines. Uh, except that when you're kind of moving from one group to another, occasionally they'll, like, they'll talk to each other. Except I, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Essentially, guy A <laughs> will say one thing from a list of 30, and guy B will pick something, a response, from a list of one of 30. Except okay. that they don't necessarily have to make any goddamn sense. So, like, I've had a couple where a guy is just like, you know, oh, so how's your wife? And then guy B goes, I'll kill you! And it's just like, wait, <laughs> what? Or, um, How dare you ask about yeah. my wife? <laughs> uh, another, another good one I've heard was, uh, I'm bored, let's go home early. And then the next guy went, we'll do that later. Just like so, they just kind of we'll go know, home early later. Yeah, so like, and it can lead to some really funny moments because you'll be sitting there like panicking because you're dodging stuff, trying not to die, and then you just kind of hear two people say something completely unrelated and stupid to each other, 
and then you just sit there giggling because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, really funny. Uh, Gameplay-wise, though, the best, like, to actually sit down and play it, kind of the best way I can describe it is Contra. Um, okay. So, especially Super Contra. Did you, did you play the... Or no, sorry, Contra 3, not Super Contra. Um, yeah, did you play... Well, I don't even know if that's the same thing, because they're Super C. Anyway, the Super Nintendo Contra. Did you ever play that? <laughs> I, I did not. I only played the original Contra in any... For, for uh, I've played other Contras, like, just for little bits and pieces, but original Contra is the only one I spent a significant amount of time on. Okay, um... So it it's closest to Contra Three in that, uh, and it's you know a little, a little bit like the other Contras in that as soon as you're on the map, you basically can just hold down your fire button and never let go, um, okay. because you have unlimited ammo. And good. good. Yeah, and it like I wouldn't have it any other way in this game because like at first you're kind of like, well that's weird, and I hated it in Overwatch. I think it's stupid there. Um, mm. But, you know, that's a whole different kind of worms. But in this case, like, you get into a mission and you basically just shoot forever. Uh, your guns have, they do have clips. So you you kind of do, you d- depending you, on the gun. You do you, have to reload. Yeah, like, depending, or, sorry, magazine, I don't know, whatever. Um, whatever. The point being, you know, depending on whichever weapon you take, you might have to kind of take that into consideration. Uh, a lot of the machine gun type weapons, you know, you can just fire and forget and never really care. But then if you're mm-hmm. using one of the shotguns, the shotguns are really effective, but they have a really long reload time. And if you're caught in a gotcha. six-second reload when things are rushing you, you're probably going to die. Yeah. So, like, there is well, considerations this... like that. Um, but yeah, then... you're, you're, uh, I'll let you finish up, but I, I just want to point out a, a, an interesting game design thing is... Because you, th- you said you thought it was weird that there's no ammo in the game, that you just have unlimited ammunition... Um, game. It, it, this brings up an interesting point that, like, just because it's a shooter, you expect there to just be ammo because it's a shooter. So of yeah. course there will be. But, like, from a design perspective, it's more about thinking what does ammunition accomplish, and yeah. it forces the player to have some kind of resource management. Yeah. And which, if you don't want your game focused around resource management, then you don't really need to have ammo all that much. Yeah. And, and like, so we, I assume... we've had some pretty good conversations uh, regarding ammo and Overwatch in kind of the positive. We, we might just have to have an Overwatch podcast because yeah, there's a lot of design stuff to talk about with um, In this case though, uh, like I'm really glad there isn't because uh, the, the environments are destructible too and mm. it's la- it really adds to some hilarity and weird strategy. Um because, uh, well, like I like I mentioned, it's like Contra, and uh, and on Contra three, you have two weapons that you can switch between at any time. Like you'll always have your machine gun, but then when you pick up a power up, it becomes like one of your two weapons, and okay. you can override it. But yeah, so you can have you know you can have like a laser gun in one weapon, and then a rocket launcher in the other uh, the other weapon, mm-hmm. and you can kind of switch back and forth depending how on what you want to do. The same thing holds true here. Uh, you start with the Ranger class, you start with a machine gun and a rocket launcher. And you can switch between them whenever you want. And it's just a kind of a matter of, you know, when's one going to be more useful than the other? And yeah. the fact that the environments are destructible and you have I mean, uh, unlimited ammunition, you can do some things like, um, well, I'm an idiot and I decided to play on hard right away, which you can do <laughs> of and course. you can get away with it. But then, like, seven missions in, I was like, 
no, I'm going to go play on hardest. Ooh, oops. Which the game goes, don't play hardest until you beat the game, pretty much. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm doing it. And <laughs> so we, like, me and my friends we've been playing with, we've gotten stuck on levels forever just because we're super undergeared. And so we have yeah. to come up with ridiculous strategies. <laughs> and sometimes that strategy is, let's blow up every building on the map so we can see the enemies better. And sometimes <laughs> Just it's... flatten everything. <laughs> yeah, and you can do that because you have unlimited ammo. Um, but then sometimes right. it's like, okay, well, you know, these enemies have a projectile, and if we blow everything up, they can just hit us from anywhere, and it's destroying us, so let's not blow up everything. <laughs> um, so, like, there is two weapons. You have unlimited ammo, but there is still a good amount of strategy to it. Um, yeah. And the, uh, the, the reason I kind of mention... Uh, I don't know if it's, like, well-designed or not, and the fact it's kind of fun because it isn't, <laughs> is that unlike, unlike uh, or, well, like Borderlands, there are a gorillion weapons. Um, yeah. I think there is 800 weapons that all function pretty much uniquely. Um, okay. So, like, there's a ton of weapons. It's, like, some of them are just so unbelievably powerful and ridiculously good that you just, like, want to use it all the time. And then some of them mm. are just so completely worthless that, like, why would you ever use it? And sometimes, like, you know, sometimes there's a joke weapon where it's, like, teehee. Like, there's one that's... Yeah. It's, it's like a can of WD-40 with a lighter on it. And it doesn't <laughs> no, do anything. But it's there, and it's funny. See, like, why, you, why would I ever use that? But then there's some weapons that are so good, you basically use them forever. And it's like, well, that... I don't know. Is that... Then you just have... It, may, it like might a, be... Uh, having not played the game, I can't talk with 100% certainty, but it it can be good design because if there's that many different weapons, then it it sounds like a game that is based around giving players a lot of different options and both strategically and just with gameplay in general. And so having a billion different weapons really ties into that well. Uh, the and I am absolutely certain just based on what you've described so far that they were intentionally unbalanced to give players different opportunities to handicap themselves if they want to. or So, like, you were talking about how you're struggling, how you, you and your friends were struggling with a super hard level on the hardest difficulty. So, like, in that case, you guys, as players, could decide for yourselves, this is a little bit too hard, let me try using one of these better weapons, or let me try using the best weapon, and say you beat it like that, then you as a player can decide, okay, I earned that victory, or uh, I kind of cheated, I'm going to use a worse weapon, but not that much worse, maybe a little worse, you know. It's, I assume it's a, a means of the developers for giving the player a way to really, really fine-tune the difficulty yeah. and to well, their perfect... That's that's kind of the Challenge. another thing that uh, makes me question how well designed it is. Is the <laughs> there isn't a difficulty curve so much as there is a squiggly line that kind of goes over itself and backwards <laughs> sometimes. Because uh, there, there's actually a difficulty above uh, hardest, which is mm -hmm. Inferno, and it is completely and utter utterly retarded. Like it's the stupidest thing. Oh, um, like and if you if you manage to complete a mission on on Inferno, even the first mission. You can get better gear out of doing the first mission on Inferno than you can, like, mission 50 on normal and hard. <laughs> uh, so you can get some, like, really goofy stuff out of it. Uh, but, mm. like... And whenever we can do a mission on Inferno, we will, but that's kind of far and few between. 
But like yeah. the going through the progression of mission, you know, you'd you'd kind of expect like you know, okay, well, forty mission forty seven is going to be harder than mission forty six. Um, right. A lot of the time, it's not the case because it'll you'll have a mission that's basically its sole purpose is to introduce a new enemy or like a new mm-hmm. mechanic or like a new yeah. a new gimmick of some sort that's going to show up, and then it comes in the next mission and it has new things with it. You know, kind of general level design sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I I will say. Uh, th- this might apply to the game. I don't know if it does. Uh, a lot of people talk about difficulty curves, and you imagine just like a line steadily getting steeper. Yeah. For like the difficulty of a game, that is not ideal. What it what is actually ideal is a wavy line that's that kind of slowly works its way up. That that is more of an ideal difficulty because you would think forty four is. Or for, level 45 is going to be harder than level 44. Level 46 is going to be harder than level 45, etc. It's <laughs> a, you would think that, but players generally tend to have a little bit more fun if, like, level 44 is pretty hard, and then level 45 is a little bit easier, gives them some breathing room, then level 46 is even harder than 44 was. It, it kind of... yeah. The, It'd the, be like a little back and ramps. forth like that. Um, yeah, li- little t- a lot of little ramps. Like little, yeah, is... little plateaus kind of thing. But the that's like, generally better balance with difficulty with, than just a straight up ramp. With this one though, and you know, it could just be because we're playing it on Inferno, and they could have just mm-hmm. balanced thing around normal and hard, and Inferno's just this kind of like, oh well, you know, this is the new version. Let's just do something completely stupid with it. And that's right. the fault of Inferno. But like on Inferno, <laughs> Mission Twenty Seven, we could not beat no matter what we did until we found an exploit. But that's beside the point. Um, like we couldn't <laughs> beat it on Inferno. We got really close a few times, but the last part would always kill you us. Just couldn't cinch it. Yeah. yeah, we could do it on hardest, kind of barely. Uh, yeah. And then there's a mission, you know, Mission Forty Seven. We we can't do on hardest. We have to go back to hard. Uh, there's one <laughs> enemy type. That if he shows up, we're just like, oh, let's just put it on easy. But then we get to mission 81, and we can do that on Inferno no problem. <laughs> yeah. So like, It does sound like, it's like just... it is a little bit all over the place. Yeah. And However, it... I, will, I, I, I would like to point out a distinction here, and this is kind of a little pet peeve of mine, is you said that this might be bad design. This is not game design. I mean, it kind of is, but not really. Like, game design is how the mechanics work well together and how everything fits together. This is just... It's not necessarily bad game design. It's kind of bad game design in that it's be- providing a poor experience to the player. Yeah. But I, it, I, Maybe it falls more under balancing. bad balance, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's... while balancing is an element of game design, I would not say that that's necessarily bad design. Well, that, yeah, and, it's, and I've mentioned to you before, uh, like, I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of the Fantasy Star series, and yeah. um, I think Fantasy Star Online's a little more fun than Fantasy Star Universe, just because the rare weapons on the sequel on Fantasy Star Universe, uh, every weapon was just like a straight numerical upgrade, whereas mm-hmm. uh, Fantasy Star Online had rare weapons that functioned completely and totally differently than every other weapon in their like line of weapons. Which yeah. you know it. Balance-wise, it's weird. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but God, is it a lot of fun to have a rifle that shoots like a <laughs> shotgun? Like just yeah, like crazy stuff like that. But yeah, um, no EDF, a lot of fun. If you can get some friends to play it, you know, don't go in expecting a story. 
Um, <laughs> but like, if it and it's not even like I don't even want to say it's mindless fun. If you play through it on normal or hard, maybe. But if you're gonna play through on the higher difficulties, you actually need to be like, okay, this isn't working. Let's try this. You stay back and shoot rockets. Mm-hmm. I'll take this really powerful close range weapon and I'll try rushing things. Uh, while somebody else blows up the buildings, and you yeah. have to do, like, and it's a lot of fun, so you can definitely get your mileage with it. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, normally I'm the kind of person who plays like three games at a time. But basically, the, okay. this, is, this is all I've played. Yeah, <laughs> I, get, I will I have to check it out. Game. It sounds it sounds rad. It sounds like a a, a fun time. Yeah. If you police your own difficulty well enough. Yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll like you'll have to jump around. There is grinding cuz you um like weapon drops are random. Uh mm-hmm. once you have them they're permanent. You can just equip them like the pre-mission screen anytime. Um, okay. And the more any the more missions you do, like you get drops that increase your maximum health permanently. Uh they don't mm-hmm. take effect till the mission's done. So there like there is a grinding aspect to it. Um, but it, it kind of falls back into like the uh, the old dungeon crawling thing where you find a weapon and it's like oh maybe this is a rare weapon and then you right. you go back to the, the mission screen you identify it and it's like okay well this laser shoots five and, and lasers it's garbage. in a fan and it, they all bounce <laughs> like we yeah. we found a, a, a laser beam that reflects off of things and it shoots five <laughs> of them and it's like if you're playing Good. there's there's friendly fire so if you're anywhere near your friend when you shoot it they're just dead. Even if they're like, even if they're like behind you, you can shoot in front of you. It'll bounce off the enemy, go behind you, and kill your teammates. So, Good. But it's Good. it's the kind of friendly fire though where it's really funny because it'll be like, all right, well I have a rocket launcher and oh there it goes, it's going really slow, and then your friend accidentally runs in front of it and you kill everybody. And <laughs> it's equally, I mean, it's frustrating Good. when it's the NPC jumping in front of you and you're like, okay, I'm gonna shoot this guy, and then they just kind of step in front and they're like, what's up? Yeah, and then you kill yourself, but at the same time, watching your friend ragdoll three kilometers off in the distance is like, <laughs> sorry, always worthwhile. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, well, do you want to wrap it up? Call it a night. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been going forever, so, but uh, you know, I'm sure as we as we go on, we'll kind of we'll figure out our stride yeah. and exactly oh. how much time. But there's you know there's so many video games well, and we'll so figure. much to complain about. We'll f- <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, so yes, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we hope to see you next time we make a podcast. Assuming next week. Assuming anyone listens to this one. Mark. They will. They will. If you make it, they will listen. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> if it works for hundreds of, if it works for hundreds of middle school middle schoolers making Minecraft YouTube channels, uh. it has to work for us making a podcast. Uh. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Minecraft keywords. (laughs) Tell your friends. Yep. Hashtag Minecraft. Join join us next week when uh, we make a giant castle in Minecraft on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Crowdsourced. Yes. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Bye.